The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another edition of Just End the Show, everybody. It hasn't gotten easier. Has not gotten easier. The Jets dropped another one. Stop me if you've heard this before. They've lost <laughs> to the Miami Dolphins. 31-24 to 24 ended up being uh, the final in this war of attrition. <laughs> Kevin, this one was just kind of hard to watch on both ends. We've been complaining about Zach's struggles for at least the last three weeks since he's been back. But it seems that the Dolphins are in a similar boat as us with their first round quarterback Tua looked real bad in the battle of these quarterbacks I would argue that Zach had the better game yeah if that's even possible <laughs> yeah no I, I think you're right I mean it's coming out of the past couple of weeks I think we've been pretty hard on Zach on here and I'm not apologizing for that I think it was for good reason but watching this performance I, I think you and I both agreed like mid-game it's like well if there's one guy we would not trade Zach for right now it would be Tua Tungvaloa <laughs> it was not a uh, quarterbacking clinic going on that that is for certain but yeah I agree with you this was a tough game to watch just because Similar to the last game, I think coming into it, you and I both thought this is a winnable game, and this totally was, and the Jets were up double digits multiple times and still are not able to pull it out. So, And also just losing both games in the year to the Dolphins is always, is, is that that's a rough one. You, you figure this is one of the ones that you could have, you could have grabbed at the beginning of the year. but Yeah, I mean, you pointed out that the Jets had double digit leads multiple times, and that includes in the first quarter when they got off of that hot start. Uh, their best player, Braxton Berrios, ends up running it in on like a, a funky broken play. MVP candidate Braxton Berrios. <laughs> Braxton Berrios feeling those hometown juices, the Miami kid. That's right. Revenge game. The Braxton Berrios revenge game ends up uh, running in a touchdown on a play where the announcers, I think, correctly pointed out he was probably supposed to throw it. Yeah. At some point, it looked like a <laughs> you know one of those reverse let the wide receiver throw out pass plays, and he didn't have anyone open, so he was like, I bet you I could beat everyone in the corner. Let's see how this goes. And, and and he did. So great great job by you. He was holding the ball in a way that you associate with a wide receiver who's going to throw it. And then he was like, yeah, not an option. So, uh, but, but he's pretty fast, <laughs> as we found out. As we found out, as we know. And it was one of those situations where Mike LaFleur just threw everything on the table. Yeah. Mike LaFleur, like, emptied his trick playbook in this game, which he was did. kind of cool to see. It would have been a nice one for them to win if for no other reason. I mean, that third down and 15 play yeah. uh, that the Jets ran in the first half, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a football game. It's it's rare as with as much football as we watch that you see something you've never seen before. Yeah, and as soon as I said, I was like, I don't know if I've seen a play like that before. The announcers brought it up. I was like, wow, because you've seen, you know, obviously you see that in the backfield sometimes, but to be like a hook and ladder to a slot receiver and then he, and, and then he threw it back out, so... Uh, I think uh, is there a possibility that uh, Jamison Crowder is the most accurate passer on the on the Jets? <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that's a possibility on a team with Mike White on it? I don't know about that. <laughs> that play was crazy, and it it like broke my brain for a minute because I watched Crowder throw that pass, and I was like, "But he's beyond the I guess." Well, 
No, he threw it backwards. I guess that's a lateral. Yeah, you, it's a lateral. you yeah. can do that, I think. <laughs> I've never seen a lateral quite like that. I mean, maybe yeah. on like a, a kickoff trick play or something like that. Right. They basically ran the old kickoff yeah. trick play, throw it to the other sideline on a third down on a pass. So that was that was pretty neat. That was pretty cool to watch them execute. Booth LaFleur, man. He's got, he's got the secrets when he's up there. It was a good game for him in general, I thought. We haven't talked about him as much in the past few weeks. He had a really adventurous game out there, so it's 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 fun to watch to see different plays being called. You know, it's uh, something as a Jets fan, I feel like I've complained about a lot in my life is like telegraphing plays and just uncreative playbooks. So yeah, there you go. There's a positive. We got uh, Lafleur. He's growing up fast <laughs> up in that booth. It seems like the Jets, if nothing else, in this lost season, seem to have some good stability. Maybe going into the future with Booth, Mike Lafleur. And Rob Sala, I still like their head coach, despite some of the wacky clock management decisions lately. And we'll get into that a little later in the show. Yeah, I mean, we've been loving Mike LaFleur ever since he left the field. As we've talked about, we're high on Joe Douglas as a drafter, at least. I think this 2021 Jets class will ultimately be judged on Zach and Zach's future. Uh, but all of the other picks, I mean, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round, Elijah Moore in the second round, Michael Carter in the fourth round, other Michael Carter late in the draft getting a starting quarter in Nichols later in the draft. I think Douglas has shown an ability for at least uh, the Jets fans to trust him as a GM that's going to hit more than he misses, which is all you can ask for. No one's going to bat a 1,000 as a GM. Right. Um, I think we have some good stability going forward. The The tough part in this game, watching this game, was losing to the Dolphins twice in one year. That always hurts. Yep. We hate the Dolphins, of course. And just letting a winnable game slip through our fingers. I mean, the Dolphins are so bad, too. It was so <laughs> awful. There was a, a, a part in this game where the Dolphins are up by a touchdown. There's eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the Dolphins have the ball. So any sort of score, whether even if it's a field goal, makes it a two-score game, really puts the game away at that point. And what does Tua do? He telegraphs a pass intended for Devontae Parker, Easy read, easy pick. I mean, we'll give credit where credit is due to Brandon Nichols, yeah. but really an easy play to read and a, a, a pick six. All of a sudden, we're all tied up in the fourth quarter. Tua just tried so hard to give this game away, he did, yeah. and the Jets just couldn't capitalize. One thing I'll say about Zach in this game is he definitely played not to lose. I think that was obvious. You'll notice that Zach had no touchdown passes, but he also had no interceptions, so I'm going to count this as a step forward. He was not forcing the ball he had some accuracy issues in this game but for the most part I think his throws were pretty crisp I think most of Zach's incompletions if you go back and look at the highlights of this game you can chalk up to lack of separation I mean the Jets just don't have the horses out here without Corey Davis and without Elijah Moore in the lineup so uh, it was tough for Keelan Cole to get separation all day Crowder is always going to be able to do his thing in the slot and he ends up leading the Jets with five catches but really I think this is a, maybe a, a B, a, a C-plus game for Zach. Is that fair? I think that's fair, yeah. I I liked what I saw from Zach in the first half. I think you and I both agreed on that when we were watching the game. You know, the, it was it was little intangible things. He's able to scramble and get a first down when there wasn't anything else out there. That's been something that I've been looking for him to do more throughout the year, and he was able to do that. Um, some of the completions he made, one of the ones over the uh, over the middle, I believe, was to Ryan Griffin. I agree with what you're saying, especially in a game here with a beat up, both beat up uh, offensive line and and a, a pretty incomplete receiving core. You're seeing Zach at least be able to extend plays. He made some plays with his legs. 
Uh, he seems like he's making the right reads. You know, it's not a situation we were talking about earlier in the year where he's forcing balls or he's forcing or, you know, throwing behind guys. There wasn't as much of that. There weren't any, I'm trying to think, I can't remember. Maybe in the second half there might have been one. Uh, I remember uh, him missing Mims over his head, which how do you miss a guy who's 6'3"? Mims is a whole other conversation piece to have. But there were a couple, so there were a couple alarming throws, particularly in the second half. But I would definitely agree. I think, uh, I think this one I'm going to kind of walk away from as a positive overall for Wilson's performance, and I don't pin the loss specifically on him. I think it's uh, really probably what we're going to get into, but it's the talent depletion uh, and particularly the offensive line. This is a really, really, really bad performance on their part. But, yeah, overall pretty positive on Zach here. Yeah, and we've talked about the lack of wow plays from Zach all year, and he gave us a few in this one. He gave us yeah. uh, that good scramble. He, I think he dodged about four Dolphins on his way to run for a first down. He had the rushing touchdown where he looked good. Yep. Uh, the scramble and throw across the field to Ryan Griffin that you referenced earlier. Uh, so he definitely had a couple of those, like, Rodgers-Mahomes yep. panic mode type plays where that's really, really encouraging to see. Backyard kind of. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't teach that stuff that your quarterback either has that in him or he doesn't. Right. And so to, to know that Zach does have that ability when his back's against the wall, that was pretty nice to see. He was sacked a number of times in this game, but I don't think you put any of those sacks on him. It wasn't a matter of him holding the ball too long. It was a matter of him not even having a second to get rid of the football. The The protection schemes were not good. I think some of that is on the offensive line, which was missing one of their pieces. And some of that, of course, is on coaching. It's It's on, you know, blocking schemes we know the Dolphins were a defense coming in that liked to blitz a lot that's why we thought this might be a long day for Zach but it also didn't help that the Dolphins defense was really from a pass rush perspective able to pin their ears back because the Jets could not do anything on the ground which was disappointing in a game where Michael Carter returned and Michael Carter you almost forget he played in this game yeah yeah, with the offensive line thing also, you know, this is just tough because obviously Beckton's not there and they're missing Fant, which ended up being a huge deal. I think we, we can agree that Fant is, has been uh, has been kind of the rare bright spot on the offensive line. And so not having him and then EVT was out for a series of plays and you, I don't I can't remember even the name of the guy that I brought in, like Freeney or Feeney or something. Yeah, you really are hitting the basement floor of talent once once we're heading into the depth of the offensive line here. So I think it's safe to say that's a, that's a position that they should step up talent-wise going forward. But yeah, uh, in terms of missing those players, I think it just it hits a certain point where, I mean, look, you even see like in the Kansas City uh, Super Bowl last year, as good a player as you can get out there, if you're missing key offensive linemen in a big spot, it's just you. the guy's just running for his life. And I agree with you, Zach. Most of those were, were sacks that were attributable to just having a bunch of guys, you know, a, b- a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of guys coming at him every play and nobody being open. So, you know, the coverage sack element of it as well. But, yeah, I wanted to point out that I think, uh, you know, if we're thinking towards the future and we're thinking that Becton is ever going to come back, which who knows, hopefully, again, he's not, if he's trapped somewhere, we just need him to send out a telegram <laughs> to just end the show, letting us know he's okay. But, yeah, if they can get, uh, I think if they can get sort of the offensive line short up between, uh, I guess you have to move Fant back over to the other side, but backed in and Fant, and you can get, uh, you're not looking at a situation in that second half where they're able, you know, the Dolphins are just so easily able to, to penetrate the line. Yeah. 
So I know we already talked about Tua and his struggles a little bit in this game, but I want to give some kudos to the Jets defense in this one, especially on the outside. I know the Dolphins were missing Jalen Waddle, which is a key cog for them on offense. I know they like to get the ball to Waddle as a runner, as a receiver. They like to do all these sorts of uh, reverses and screens with him. But I just want to give some credit to Brandon Eccles and to Bryce Hall on the outside, who I thought both played excellent. Parker's a good receiver, and I think aside from the, that touchdown he had, I think they did a pretty good job keeping him in check. I thought Bryce Hall played him really well all day. The front seven played pretty well in this one as well. C.J. Mosley was extremely fast. Uh, Quinn and Williams was flying from sideline to sideline. So I think this was a, a good secondary game and a good linebacker game, which is something we've rarely been able to say for this defense. Yeah, well, I, d- I mean, I definitely like all the players you named. <laughs> <laughs> I have other pl- opinions about some of the other players. Um, no, uh, yeah, I-, I definitely with the cornerback play, I mean, I-, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think going into the year, that seemed like one of the weaker position groups. I mean, I think safety was the weakest position group, and it probably still is in many ways. I know you're not talking smack about interception haver Ashton Davis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Takeaway machine Ashton Davis. I know you're not talking about my guy. We've always spoken well of him. If he's listening, I had to do an about face in our text thread because I was like, hey, hey my boy, <laughs> Mr. Davis, not Jared, <laughs> the other one. Yeah, I agree with you on the cornerback play, though. I, I thought uh, uh, Eccles has been up and down, but this was an up game, and he had a good, uh, and he had the pick, which you mentioned, pick six. The problem seems to be that the linebackers outside of Mosley and that the safeties can't really tackle anybody is sort of a main issue, though, because it seems like once you get by the offensive line or with uh, either in run plays or screen plays, they're just giving up yards. And it's like coming out of this, I think we've had the conversation multiple times about the scheme versus the talent. And it seems like it's not a scheme issue so much as the fact that so often there's dudes who are running through the defensive line and then it's there's even two or three jets there who can't make tackles or you know it's pretty rare that like people at least as far as i can tell in this game were like necessarily wide open like if somebody's making a catch there's somebody there to make a tackle and i hate to say like my boy gidry he's missing him left and right there's just there's just a few that in this game there's just a few instances where i'm seeing that and uh or more than a few i should say and it really coming down the stretch in this game I just did not trust the Jets' defense to make a stop. And granted, they did at the very end of the game when they absolutely needed to. But the other times in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, it just felt like they were not able to bring guys down. And so mm-hmm. I'm still going to chalk that up to, like, a lot of these dudes are young. There's a lot of people injured still. But overall, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. I thought Eccles played a good game. I think Hall is a, it seems like a good, competent player moving forward. And, you know, and, and that's not something I think we thought at the beginning of the year or even maybe towards the, you know, after a few games of the year. But it is the way I feel about him now. And that's great. So actually having a little bit of, you know, if they're not going to be even if they're not going to end up being starters, it, knowing that you have those players and potentially have depth in the roster in that position is a really good thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the the tackling from past the defensive line is just is just really, really lacking. And. Down the stretch, this was just a game where I think if this is, what, one or two more stops, and this is a very winnable game for the Jets. Now, granted, again, on the offensive side of the ball, you didn't have Zach moving it so much, so be, you know, because he was getting hounded. I think I texted you at one point, like, I was, I was like, well, this is, if this is two-hand touch, I mean, they're <laughs> dominating. But, you know, in tackle football, it's, it's a little bit of a problem. 
Yeah, you can't blame the scheme when the defenders are there. Yeah. And they're just not able to make the tackle. That's on them. That's on them at that point. Here's where the Jets lost this football game, and it was on defense. Duke Johnson, 22 carries for 107 and two touchdowns. Miles yeah. Gaskin adding 10 carries for 54. So five and a half yards a carry pretty much for Miles Gaskin. Yeah. And they got torched by Duke Johnson, who was a fringe Duke Johnson roster player for the Dolphins in weeks past. Was really only activated for the first time in weeks, I believe in three weeks in this game. And he ends up being their feature back. We talked about how afraid we were of Gaskin and his speed and his, you know, sneaky yeah. strength almost. And Gaskin just gets massively outcarried. I'm not sure if he was in the doghouse or, or the Dolphins were just randomly really high on Duke Johnson this week. But he came out of nowhere to really torch the Jets. If they're able to hold Duke Johnson in check at all and just force Tua to go out there and throw to beat us, the Jets win this game. There's no question about it. Yeah, and and I agree but I agree that I don't think that they I don't look at it as as being on 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 Albrick or on on Sala d- defensively. It just seems like Agreed. If you can get by the defensive line, you get a free extra 5 or 6 yards and there was constantly sh- third and short situations happening for them. And I agree. If if you make if you make Tua throw the ball in this, I have zero confidence in that guy. If I'm a Dolphins fan coming out of this game, watching him throw throw the ball because he just, like you mentioned the the one throw, but but just several like real real soft throws are just kind of like, just like lollipopping it over the middle of the field. And it's disappointing because it feels like a winnable game if you can bump the talent level up on the Jets defense like, just like a, like I don't know, from like a, you know, D plus to C minus or something, you know, not like you have to really have like shut down players. But if you can just if you can just make some open field tackles, I think that that you can hold them because, you know, they, they were. Yeah, it, it just felt like you're if you're not afraid of if you're not afraid of the quarterback, then try to make tackles over the middle of the field, because if you can stop the run at all and kind of get them on their heels, you know, it's it's a winnable game. But this is just not the year for defensive talent for the Jets. I think it's safe to say after week, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't even know what week it is anymore. I've lost track. I want to take another break, and I want to get into some of the Denzel Mims rumors going around right now. So if you're following Denzel Mims Watch 2021, you'll know that the Carolina Panthers are reportedly interested in acquiring Mims. They're one of several teams that have contacted the Jets. Now, to this point, the Jets have been swatting away offers left and right. Douglas has received offers, and he has told other teams to kick rocks. We're not trading Denzel Mims, even as he seemingly remains in his own coach's doghouse. We've finally seen Mims play the last couple of weeks, and it's really the worst we've ever seen him. We saw much better Mims flashes last season. Yeah, much better. So the interesting thing about this is, to me, is that Carolina is interested in a Jets wide receiver with size and speed who wears number 11. <laughs> uh, I think they're just embarrassing themselves at this point. Like, they're doing too much. They're, they're trying to copy us. <laughs> it's weird. I think it's weird. <laughs> I think that realistically at this point, what you're going to get for Mims is probably a mid-rounder, a four or a five, yeah. uh, maybe even a six. I don't see teams giving up a whole lot more than that. And frankly, for that price, I would hang on to him. I don't know about you. You would hang on to Mims. You wouldn't. You wouldn't trade him for for anything. No, 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 no. I would. There's a lot I would trade him for. But if the price is, and I'm just speculating here, the market on Mims, I suspect, is anything between a fourth 
and seventh round pick. If it's a fourth, I think about it. Anything below, I probably just hang on to him. Yeah, I guess I I guess I would agree with that. Yeah, you you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to push it to too much later in the draft. the The issue with hanging on to him is that at the level he's playing, I wonder what the the market is eventually going to be. Um, it's been rough for the Mims thing because you know it wasn't just you and I, but a lot of Jets fans I think out there at many points in this season were crying for him <laughs> to be on the field and wondering what he why he wasn't out there and. He just seems either completely disinterested or if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, like sick or still coming off of some kind of some kind of injury. I mean, I know he was reported to have like cramps and stuff in this game uh, for for whatever that's worth. And and he's had covid and all of these things. But to me, it's just a matter of sort of saying, like, at this point, hanging on to him at this point is hanging on to him. Do you think they would hang on to him as an asset or would they hang on to him just as like a trading thing? Because you might actually get more value now, I wonder. If he has a few more bad games, and we assume he's still going to be out there, right? Because obviously Davis is out. You know, we assume we're going to see more of him. So I don't know. Do you think that they would hang on to him actually to use him? Uh, my suspicion is that he will be traded. If I have to make a guess, I would say that the odds are he is not on the Jets roster come next offseason. Right. So if you hang on to him now, the best case scenario you're saying is he he puts in a few good games or at least has like a at least one like good passable performance and then the and then the price goes up. You know what? That's an excellent segue because I'd love to see what Denzel Mims would do against a Jacksonville Jaguars defense that just got absolutely torched by Brandon Cooks. Yeah. So let's take one more break and let's get into next week's matchup against the Jaguars. <laughs> So the Jets take on the Jaguars next week in what is really their last winnable game of the year, Kev. The race to four wins. Can they get there? Yeah. Uh, Just based on what we've seen from Jacksonville this year and what we've seen from Jacksonville this week against Houston, I think they can do it. I think we're better than Jacksonville. I think we don't have really anyone to worry about from a weapon standpoint on this team. So I think Eccles and Hall will be able to hold up against whoever the heck the Jaguars are playing it at wide receiver these days. We've been bad against the run, um, but the Jaguars haven't really shown much of an ability to run the football themselves. It's not a strength of their team. And I think if we're able to score some points on the Dolphins, I think we'll be able to score a few more points on the Jaguars. I am optimistic about this one, and I think the Jets come away with their fourth one of the year. I I appreciate your optimism. I think I think that there's a there's a possibility here, and uh, I just have to say that if you are watching this game and you are not a fan of either one of these teams, <laughs> then it is time to seek help <laughs> with either your football or gambling addiction. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, it's uh, we've got it. We're headed for a real barn burner here. I mean, I agree. I don't think Jacksonville does anything particularly well, right? I mean, I can't. I can't think of one specific thing that they do well. I think their kicker's all right. I think they might have that over us. Although, Eddie Pinheiro, I don't know. Maybe the Jets take the lead on that as well now. Yeah. Eddie, baby. We got Eddie. <laughs> Another MVP candidate, <laughs> Eddie Pinheiro. Eddie Pinheiro's slowly becoming my favorite New York Jet. <laughs> he really does hit him right down the middle, too. You know what I mean? There's no, There's nothing under it, but it's right in the middle. Anything 35 or under, that guy's automatic. You love to see it. I'd love to see Pinheiro <laughs> attempt like a 52-yarder just to see what it would look like. I'm like, can he kick it that far? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. It hit with like bottom of the crossbar where the padding is. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. So, Kevin, uh, I just looked up the spread of this game. 
and no cheating. Oh, boy. It is under a field goal. The spread is two and a half. Two and a half, I will ask you, in which direction? Who is favored by two and a half points in this contest? Oh, man. I'm going to say the Jets are getting... No, I'm sorry. I'm going to say the Jets are giving two and a half. Are they giving two and a half? That is correct. The Jets are favored in this game by two and a half. Wow. This has to be the only Jets bets segment that, that they've been favored all year, right? Have they been favored at all this year? Were they favored against Houston? Yeah, we, we played Houston, I believe. This is just me trying to think back. I believe we were favored <laughs> over Houston uh, by a field goal or under. I could be wrong about that. Don't fact check that. So I believe this is the second time the Jets have been favored in a contest this year. Jets given points. Wow. It's a bold strategy for for a team that's giving up like almost 30 points a game usually. It's so funny to think like when they scheduled this game at the beginning of the year, it was like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Like it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be like some kind of an interesting game. <laughs> And then it gets to this point. It's like, wow, this is, I mean, obviously it's a division. Like they played the whole division, but still you're just like, whew, that didn't work out for the NFL, did it? This uh, marquee matchup. So I, one thing I will bet you on is that this game will be another Andrew Catalan Jets game. And I say that because I think I've noticed that our friend Andrew seems to be uh, the last place CBS play-by-play guy. Because we noticed we did not have Catalan in this game against the Dolphins because he was busy calling Jacksonville Houston the only game on the schedule less compelling than Jets Dolphins there is not a game on the schedule next week that is less compelling than Jets Jaguars no we're definitely getting Catalan which I'm excited about personally there he is he's back yeah he calls a lot of games in that division too he calls a lot of Jaguars game probably because of what you're saying because of the uh they give him literally like the lowest the lowest one so far but that's not a reflection on you, Andrew, if you're listening. We're big fans. Nance has got to be pushing 70. Some doors are going to open uh, for you soon at CBS. I'm looking forward to it because, like you say, I mean, even as even as uh, terrible as a game this is on paper, like uh, sometimes two, two bad teams like this who kind of don't have a lot to play for or really have not, technically nothing to play for can randomly put up good games or at least weird, fun, like yeah. stupid, like, ends with a safety type of games or something like that. So I could see that happening here. But uh, I, I would not advise uh, betting on the Jets laying points. I, I just, it seems like a, it seems like a bad move. So just if you maybe throw, if you lo- if you want the Jets here, put them in a money line parlay or something like that. If you gamble on Jets Jaguars, you have a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a real. You, although, this, this is a straight to jail game. If you, if you bet on this game, you should go straight to jail. I should be in jail, I'll tell you, because I, I, I may or may not have wagered on Atlanta, San Francisco, and I'm like, what? What kind of what kind of sickness can be inside oh, of a person to think that that was a good idea? And, Kevin, and, no. And I, and I had it parlayed with Bengals money line, and so now I'm like watching Matt Ryan, like Matt Ryan red zone drives. What? I'm like nine and a half points. Give him give him a hundred and nine points. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what am I? What am I thinking? What? What a nightmare. And it'd been so long since I got burned. Like. Ever since the, I got very scarred by the Trevor Simeon Tom Brady debacle, and uh, and and I don't think I'll ever get over it. So I should have just, I should have just let that one slide. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm overall it's been an okay year, but only because I've been avoiding uh, betting on stupid games like like this. Yeah, it's been a rough year for me, and it was about to get a lot better, and then the Saints shut out Tom Brady, which I, I they did, which is not I mean, I I lost. Uh, a nice money parlay 
on the Buccaneers money line minus 519. Wow. I mean, they they were such a heavy, heavy favorite. It's my own fault for losing money. It was the fourth game of a four-team parlay that was still in play, and I had the opportunity to hedge. Yeah. What that means is going into that fourth game, right, I could have hedged. All I have to do is throw a little bit of money on Saints to win, and I could have set it up where, you know, I, instead of, you know, lose a lot, win a lot, it's, you know, break even but not lose any money and win a little bit less, just the little bit less of whatever you bet on the Saints. Uh, I was in a position to do that. I said, I'm not going to bother. I'm not cutting into my winnings. There's no way Taysom Hill goes out there and beats Tom Brady, and they literally <laughs> shut them out. That actually so it's happened. Been a, it's been a nightmare gambling year for me. It's been a nightmare gambling week. My mom doesn't listen to this podcast. It's, I'm not worried. Um, <laughs> it's been a nightmare gambling year for me. I am way too skittish to bet the Buccaneers again, which means I'm far too skittish to bet on the New York Jets. And you bet real money too. I'm 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 just like Mickey Mouse, like ten dollar. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not. I try to... not to, Kevin. I try not to. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. Well, tell me whatever your picks are this week, and I can I can fade you. Although if I do that, then like I don't know what ha- if we fade each other, it's going to be like the universe is going to collapse. Somehow both team. Like, every team is going to lose simultaneously somehow. It's going to be like a miracle. Yeah, you can't mush the mush. Well, this is how <laughs> we end up with uh, Steelers-Lions ties, right? That was two people yeah. just going head-to-head. Yes. Listen, I'll, <laughs> that had to I'll be t- something I'll, like that. I'll tell you what. I'll start releasing my football picks every week on the Just End the Show Twitter account, at Just End the Show, and we could have a fade Seth there segment every week, and we could uh, show people how much <laughs> money you could have yeah. won by fading Seth. Yes. It's like the opposite of like those old gambling, like Hammer and Hank or whatever. You're like, <laughs> fade Seth. Prove me wrong or I am wrong or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like the opposite. Uh, I'm like the anti cousin Sal. Please, whatever I say, please just do the opposite. This is whatever the opposite of gambling <laughs> advice is. I like it. Uh, this is a good, this is a good idea. I'm definitely going to, uh, I'm definitely going to check that out, and and other people should too. Unless unless they, but what if it starts to go the other way, but where you start to win, then do I have to like put up my picks out there? Maybe we could we could figure that out. But anyway, you're not going to care because you're going to leave the podcast with all your winnings. I t- I'll tell you what, we're the two hosts of this podcast, right? We should go head to head. We should do some little NFL. Uh, oh yeah, pick action. there you go. Yeah, you should definitely not shake mine. I've, I'm not picking any more Falcons games, though. I promise. That's I've I've been burned. I've been burned so many times. I have no idea what's wrong with me. I still can't believe I did it. Yeah, I can't believe you bet on the Falcons either. I thought that was like a forever stay away for you, that team. I, t- I know. I tell you. It was. <laughs> oh, man. And it's like the worst possible week, too, because like every like there's games going on like right now. There's like games, you know, COVID is. Yeah, it was it was a bad move. Bad move by me. Well, that's going to do it for us here at Just End the Show. Enjoy the Jets' last winnable game, everybody. Let's have yes. some fun in this one, right? Let's have some fun. What? This is definitely not going to be on my CBS affiliate. I, I, I got it. They bumped the Jets, I think, every week since then. So that's one thing I can guarantee is that I'm going to have to find this somewhere else. But, yeah, come on. let's have. It's, it's, it's the Toilet Bowl 2.0. Let's go. Kevin, listen, come on down to Long Island. My couch is always open to you. That's right. Um, Why don't I just go? They are contractually obligated to air the New York Jets in the New York City (laughs) metro market. 
as much as I'm sure CBS hates it from a ratings perspective, they legally have to do it. Come on down. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to try to dodge COVID to see a Jets-Jags game on TV, but I do appreciate the offer. <laughs> Kevin, take us out. Just end the show. Just end the show.